Hello and welcome to another episode of Crutchfield, the podcast. I'm your host, JR. Welcome back. We have got a fun one for you here today. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a, uh, a YouTuber, an influencer, a uh, person with a YouTube channel that I absolutely love and highly recommend. If you're listening to this podcast and you are at all interested in car audio, then you should check it out. It's called Car Audio Fabrication. That's the name of the YouTube channel. The host of that show is Mark. And uh, I found out about this channel because I was, uh, I'm always looking for good YouTube videos to help me convey car stereo installation concepts to our newest advisors here at Crutchfield. That's my day job, is I train our new advisors to be able to help our customers buy, use, and enjoy you know, cool stuff that Crutchfield sells. So that's that's what I do, and I'm always looking for resources to help. And uh, this YouTube channel is a uh, uh, just a, a goldmine of great helpful info. Uh, Mark uh, is his name from Car Audio Fabrication. He does, he's got over like 400 or so videos. Um, Many of them center around how to build a subwoofer box. That seems to be his specialty. Uh, But he branches out and talks about all aspects of car audio installation. And uh, his videos are incredibly well done, very well produced, uh, good lighting, good editing, and just a lot of helpful information with, uh, with visuals and everything. Um, so I found him that way, and I've been using his videos with our training classes. And then I stumbled upon one that was sponsored by Crutchfield. I didn't even know that our marketing department and Mark from Car Audio Fabrication had teamed up and that we now sponsor many of his videos, along with some other really cool companies like JL Audio and Audio Control. Uh, and so we feel like we're in pretty good company there. And uh, I uh, I thought, hey, let's uh, let's reach out to this guy and see if he would like to do an episode of Crutchfield Live. You can watch the old episodes if you haven't seen them yet. Go to youtube.com slash Crutchfield to find those. If you want to see uh, all of the stuff that Mark and I talked about, he had some really cool pictures of some installs that he's done that we show in the live. So if you want to get the full experience, go find Crutchfield Live on our YouTube channel. Uh, However, if you just want to listen to a podcast, uh, then this is the way to go, because we're going to take that interview from the live episode we did and uh, put it right here. That's this episode of the podcast. And I just want to give you a taste of what Mark's videos uh, can sound like and what what kind of information you might get from them. I'm going to play about a minute or so of one of his videos that, indeed, Crutchfield did sponsor. This one's all about techniques that you might use to install speakers. So here we go. When installing aftermarket speakers, there are a number of small things that we can do that don't take much time but help us to achieve the best possible sound that we can. I'm currently working on installing all of this gear into a truck, and in this video we are focused on installing our door speakers. Now, if you've watched my videos before, you know that here on the channel, I have videos where I do full sound treatment to the doors and even fabricate my own rings. But the goal in this video is to do more of an everyday upgrade as opposed to an all-out sound quality install. 
You guys have been asking for this, so we're focusing on techniques that will get us the most performance benefit and value. Now, a quick side note, this video is going to start with showing how to remove the door panels in this F-150. But even if you don't have an F-150, the installation techniques in this video can be applied to any vehicle, so stick with me. Let's get started with pulling off the door panel so that we can remove the OEM speaker. Now, removing a door panel that you've never removed before can be a challenge because after all, where are all the different fasteners that you need to remove, where are the different screws that we need to undo. If you're unsure, I've got a good solution for you. If you're unsure how to get started, I definitely recommend this. This is the master sheet from show sponsor Crutchfield. On the Crutchfield website, you can enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle, and if they've already researched your vehicle, you can see all of the research they've done, which includes knowing what speaker sizes will fit into the door. So there you go. Mark is uh, showing our website, showing our master sheets, and he's doing an install on an F-150 in this video. It's compelling, it's helpful information, and if you want to know how to install speakers, it's a fantastic video to watch. We've watched it in training many times uh, because uh, it gets us some nice visuals and all that. So Mark's videos are just great. And I was really looking forward to talking to him. We got him live on the show. And so that's what you're about to hear. If you keep listening to this podcast, you will hear Mark from Car Audio Fabrication and me on Crutchfield Live. Enjoy. Welcome, Mark. How are you today? Doing good, JR. Thanks for having me. Mark is, uh, as you'll see if you peruse his YouTube channel, uh, really uh, is a uh, master level do-it-yourselfer who is more than willing to share his knowledge and expertise. And so uh, he's here today, and we are inviting our viewers to ask questions that Mark could answer. If you ask a question that maybe I would be better to answer, I might answer some questions. Uh, anyway, ask us anything about that stuff and we will do our best to get you whatever info we can. How's that for an introduction there, Mark? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, we have a bunch of cool pictures to go through too. So we'll talk a little bit of uh, my history and look at some of my older builds, and then we'll get into some of the newer stuff too. So Yeah, I've got a whole list of stuff I am excited to talk to Mark about. Uh, however, if you viewers at home uh, just ask us question after question. We may never get to this stuff and that would be fine uh, because we would love to answer your questions. That's one of our favorite things to do on Crutchfield Live. We have a question that came in actually before we went live from our YouTube community post. Uh, and this customer says, or viewer says, uh, what speakers would you suggest for a aftermarket stereo with 24 watts by four, no amplifier, the stereo is a JVC, if that matters, and this is going in a Ford Edge. Uh, I don't know if we need to get like a specific model going, but uh, I think the bigger question here is when you uh, when you have somebody installing or just they just want a basic system, a, a head unit or a radio and four speakers with no plans to add an amp or a sub. Uh, are there a particular things about speakers that you look for to be a better choice than maybe a speaker that's going to be amplified? Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to look for a high sensitivity value, but uh, I mean, there, there's a definitely a ton of different parameters you want to look at. And conveniently enough, I recently made a, a video on the channel that you guys could check out that's all about, uh, you know, how to properly 
pick speakers. And I know you guys have a, a similar video on your channel as well. You know, that's, that is kind of what we do here at Crutchfield, uh, <laughs> is help people pick out speakers. And uh, there are plenty of choices. Mark is absolutely right. Uh, you want to be looking for speakers that are very efficient. High sensitivity is the way you know uh, how efficient a speaker is that's rated in sensitivity in decibels. Uh, and uh, something around 90 to 93 dB efficient uh, is probably where you want to be uh, when you're using just a head unit or radio power and not an amplifier. Typically, when you put an amplifier in and you've got 50 or 75 watts for your speakers, efficiency isn't all that important anymore because you've got the power to drive the speaker. Sound about right? Definitely. Uh, let's see. Greg on YouTube says, I just purchased the Alpine HDZ 653s this week. Uh, is it better to use the crossover it comes with or run my LC1200 as a six channel to each speaker? Is that a three-way set? The... Let's go Let's find see. out. Yeah, it's here. a it's a full three way set. So basically, he's asking if he should use the crossover or if he should run full active. Yeah. Um. Personally, personally, I I always like to run full active, which means you don't use the crossover. You're connecting directly to each channel, but with the footnote of making sure that you know what you're doing because you need to properly tune that amplifier and set the crossovers on that amplifier to make sure that you're not sending you know, mid-range or bass frequencies, especially to something like a tweeter, because you would definitely end up damaging it. So as long as you know what you're doing, yeah, it's, it's always a good idea to go active, but make sure you do your research. <laughs> yeah. And when you go active, you're using fewer components, fewer things in the signal path, fewer things that could potentially add distortion or make it less clean than it could be. And, uh, and yeah, so if you can go active, I think I fully agree with you, Mark, that makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah, and with, with that set being a three-way too, you'd be using all six channels. So if, if your plan is to also be using that amplifier to try to power rear speakers or anything like that, you're going to be out of channels already. So good point. Uh, let's see. The next question comes from Ryan. Uh, and this specifically, you might be able to answer this now better than ever before because you recently went on a tour of the JL Audio Facility, which is a yep. really fun place to go. I've been there myself. I want to talk to you more about that later. But this person has a yeah. JL Audio specific question. Does the Bluetooth digital input for the JL Audio amps really play uh, high? Or is it able to play high fidelity audio? Do you happen to know that? If not, we can look it up. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that offhand. I, I'm sure it uses the, I had to guess, I, I would think it uses like the latest Aptex, Codex and everything. Um, I do know that it's like that piece is, it, it's a separate piece that you need in order to, I forget the name of yep, the model I've got, numbers. I've got it right here. It's the JL Audio VXI BTC, Bluetooth communicator for VXI amps for control, not streaming. So I'm not, I don't know if I'm looking at the, thing he's asking about but that's just yeah so i think i think i think that's if you want to use like their mobile app and then like uh you know tune the amplifier with with the mobile application like on a you know a, a portable device have you done any uh, installs that use those vxi amplifiers those things are just yeah. i mean incredibly customizable the intricate uh detail you can do to fine-tune everything what have you uh what's been your experience with those vxi amplifiers oh they're awesome yeah on the on the channel so we did a, a full build in a wrangler 
Um, so I had two of the amplifiers and JL, what's also cool with their stealth box lineup is they have um, obviously the subwoofer enclosures that go in the back of the vehicle, but for the Wrangler, they also have uh, these amplifier mounting brackets that mount underneath the seats. So it just makes it really, it's a nice solution to easily mount up those amps underneath the seats. And um, yeah, like I said, two of the VXI amps, so it was a uh, six channel and then a mono block on the other side powering the subs. So yeah, they're they're fun and they sound super good and paired up with um, with JL Audio's new Max, which is their tuning measurement system device. Uh, it has like a full microphone array. Uh, paired up with that and doing all the tuning on the on the RTA with that is that car sound, ended up sounding really really good. Yeah, that's so. that's some next level stuff. Uh, if you're doing car stereo installation for the first time, that's probably not uh, what you're trying to do. But if you are trying yeah. to create a super high quality sound quality type competition level just a sound system that will blow your mind and you're putting the amps and the speakers and the subs and all of the stuff in place uh to be able to tune it with that kind of uh level of granularity is pretty impressive yeah uh cool so uh the next question i don't know uh if you have any thoughts on this it's a, a specifically about a Pioneer speaker. Uh, what do you think of the Pioneer lightweight ferrite magnet subwoofers? Are they good? Uh, and same person, what do you think of the new Pioneer subwoofer, the TSA 301S4? Uh, so if you have any thoughts on that, great. Uh, but what about just in general, the idea that magnets, uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, the, a good subwoofer has to have a humongous magnet on the back. Is that true, or are there exceptions to that rule? Can you do it with newer magnet, like, uh, you know, neodymium, stuff like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like it's kind of a marketing thing, and it's something I've talked about on the channel before, that you definitely want to be careful. Like, you don't want to buy a subwoofer purely based on its power rating or purely based on, like you said, the size of the magnet. I feel like um, that's something that a lot of manufacturers will kind of stick at the top of their specs. They'll be like, oh, it has a... 120 ounce magnet or, or whatever and people just compare the size and uh really it's more so about you know the build quality about the actual um parameters of the subwoofer like there's many other factors that go into it so uh so true um let's let's uh i think we've hit all the questions that have come in so far uh, so I want to start asking you some stuff about box building, about your experience, how you got into doing what you're doing now. Um, yeah. let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go on a journey. How did Mark go from, uh, you know, high school to this, like, uh, how did you get to do what you're doing? Yeah. So, uh, so in high school, I, I really, that's where I kind of caught the bug, if you will. Um, you know, one of my friends had a, a system with a, a couple of subs and, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And of course, I wanted to outdo my buddy. I feel like that's how a lot of people kind of get into it. You've, you've got to have the louder system than your friend. So in high school, I uh, really started, you know, kind of building my own stuff and, and uh, installing my own speakers. And then I ended up going to school for mechanical engineering. So it kind of translated well into, um, you know, taking my box builds and everything to the next level and um, incorporating different fabrication techniques into everything, um, kind of what I learned throughout school. And then uh, I also enjoy, you know, woodworking and the high level um, woodworking tools. And 
that has always also kind of been a hobby of mine. So kind of mixing the two together have kind of like formed this, this high level enclosure building and uh, different aspects of car audio also like amplifier racks and um, making speaker adapters. And I have a ton of pictures we can go through that will probably uh, better better explain the story is all right if i uh, share my yeah uh, uh, i, lo I love right. it let's go through the journey that some of these pictures are uh older builds right and then you've got some yeah. pictures of some stuff you've done more recently uh yeah i love it let's see what you got there we go so i see the trunk uh of a car with what looks to be there four what are those 12s 15s mtx's yeah, so th this is uh, this is where we kind of started, right? So this is like way back in the day. This is probably 15 years ago. I think this is I I think I finished this build like in my senior year of high school. So I the reason I just want to kind of start in the past is like some of these enclosures are pretty obnoxious looking, and I definitely made a lot of mistakes. And actually, one of the videos that I'm working on editing right now is going back and looking at one of my uh, my different past builds and kind of analyzing it and talking about what I would do differently now that I know what I know today. So I like to do those kind of builds every, or those kind of videos every once in a while, because I think it's just good to understand that like some of the stuff that you're going to see a little bit later, I didn't just learn that overnight. And I, I think it's valuable because I've had people tell me before that it, it, it feels kind of discouraging when you see like the real high level stuff. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, do you kind of understand what I'm saying, Jar? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I, I've seen, you know, car shows, DB drag races, some of these sub enclosures that are like, Whoa, hold on. Uh, how, <laughs> how did you get that to sound that good? And that takes a, a lot of trial and error experience. Um, just the, what's needed to actually physically make the box. Uh, I, I mean, I, I am, I watch you work in the videos on your channel and I am in awe of what you do and put it together. And <laughs> that's not how my brain works. There's no way I could come up with even this 15 year old build in this trunk of this car. So, yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll get you there. I know you've been watching lots of the videos, so I appreciate that. So yeah, th you know, this is uh, like you said, MTX subwoofers, four twelves were sitting there in a sealed box. And then I decided to do something a little bit different. This was a old Taurus, by the way. Uh, so what I switched to here is these were actually ported enclosures. The port, you can see my cursor, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. So the, the port is in the back area here and it goes this way and then kind of fires into the inside of the vehicle. Oh. So this was two 15s and this is obviously just the skeleton going on right now as I was, you know, planning on stretching my material. So you can see the, oh. the old material stretched there a bunch of fleece i think it was probably halloween around that time <laughs> based based on the color scheme there but uh yeah you end up applying resin and obviously we're skipping a lot of steps here but applied a bunch of resin and fiberglass and built up the strength and then used a bunch of body filler and uh again you know i i always look back at these pictures and see little things i could have done better obviously there's some body filler issues going on there but Nevertheless, kind of a, a cool build from uh, 15 or so years ago. So um, now moving forward a little bit more. So this is more of a recent build. And I just kind of wanted to show this. This is like a, another kind of style to building subwoofer enclosures that is called stacked fabrication. So in this case here, I'm building out um, a subwoofer enclosure for a shallow mount subwoofer. Uh, I believe this was a 10. This was probably eight, eight years ago at this point. Okay. So um, anyway, 
came up with a shape that I knew was going to fit into the side area, which this also happened to be a Wrangler. This is a Wrangler JK. And I started expanding that shape. You can see here, building upon it. And, you know, it, it's kind of hard to see in this picture, but behind here, there was a little bit more of a clearance on this layer uh, just to better match the vehicle itself. But this enclosure is also ported. So the port is kind of built into the geometry of mm. the sidewalls there. And here's a little bit more of a finished look once all, once all the assembly came together. So this piece here was just to kind of finish out the outsides of the port, um, added some body filler around the outside there. And you see a lot of gaps, like right here, you can see that dark shadow there. There's actually an intentional gap between this surface and the backside of this panel. And because and I've watched your videos, I know what that gap you know is why, for. Right? And that's for like a, a fabric or some other material you're going to put in there so that it fits in there and looks tight uh, rather than having yeah. like a, 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 you know, it butting up against it. It's kind of goes under and it just looks fantastic. Your boxes look fantastic, man. The fit and finish, what you're doing today is very impressive. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And you're right. I'm, I'm glad to hear you've been watching. So, yeah, yeah it, like he said, it it's to allow for precise uh, vinyl fitment within within there so depending on what material you're using if you were wrapping with carpet and then vinyl on the front here you would have a different gap size but i was going for a vinyl to vinyl transition and uh even here there's a gap and you're going to see so in this next picture you can see this is after we wrapped everything with vinyl and you know the gaps are real nice and perfectly straight and uh even on this little insert here i had a couple of pieces of aluminum going across just yeah. to kind of give it a cool accent with a with a white color and then you know obviously the the black on the outside there so turned out turned out pretty good that looks great <laughs> uh, i mean that's basically a custom built like uh it's kind of like what jail audio is doing with stealth boxes uh except you're creating it like one at a time yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is one-off, not mass-produced at all. So uh, here's here's another build. So this is uh, obviously more of a daily driver. This is actually for my dad. So this was dad's daily driver build, which is a, a full build series that we did on the YouTube channel. So um, obviously, you know this, JR, but you know, just for some people that might be new to what I do. So on my build series on the channel, I'll go through like the full process of installing the radio and actually wiring it up, um, installing the speakers, doing sound treatment. And all of these are separate videos. So each thing is kind of broken out into its own, you know, separate task so that we can really dive into the details and really explain things so everyone out there can follow along and, you know, learn alongside us. So um, right here, this is obviously the back side of the head unit. And you can see some of the, the different wiring that I did. And of course, you know, this was uh, brought to you by Crutchfield Video. So yes. um, we, of course, used the, the master sheet in order to de determine exactly how to take the radio out. And uh, we also, you know, used all, all the guides from Crutchfield in order to properly match everything up. And we knew exactly what integration piece we also needed because of Crutchfield. So, um, you know, using the vehicle selector, we didn't have to... We basically didn't have to figure out a whole lot on our own because you guys do so much of the heavy heavy work for us. Like we knew exactly what integration piece we needed, et cetera. So, and this is uh, 
this is the radio installed there in the dash. So kind of unique in the Equinox that it, it ends up giving you kind of like a, this dual screen where you're no longer using the top screen anymore, but that's because you're no longer using the top screen for the radio anymore, I should specify. You still use it for the climate controls and everything. And then the radio is added down here and I uh, got the fit kit in there as well. We're seeing that happen a lot more in cars where they have a screen, but it's not really in a spot <clears> where the new radio can replace it. So you'll end up with a two screen experience. And depending on the car, you might end up with uh, a screen that does nothing. Or uh, again, if we have a, like an Adatalink Maestro type of an OEM integration adapter, you might be able to completely keep using the factory screen, even though you've installed a new radio. And so you have an, a true two screen experience that varies so much from car to car. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of Crutchfield specialty is knowing what's going to happen, researching vehicles, having all of the gear that it takes to put a head unit in, uh, in some, in a car and a lot of cars, it's, you, you can't do it at least not yet. Yep. Uh, so we're seeing that more and more as well. And we're more than happy to tell you that so that you don't end up taking your dash apart and uh, only to find out that you can't really replace the radio. Uh, so yeah, did you use Crutchfield before we actually had a business relationship? Yes, a hundred percent. I've been using you guys since I can remember, <laughs> like since high school. So yeah, yeah, nice. no, it's, it's definitely always been very handy to, like I said, to have the master sheet and, uh, you know, all the, all the wiring diagrams and, and knowing what speaker adapters you need. And you guys definitely make it easy. I'm seeing a couple questions come in. Uh, I like this last one. Uh, I'll add some context too. As have you ever done an extreme build, meaning SPL? Uh, so yeah. uh, I, I think the answer is probably going to be yes, but that's a whole different animal than building a sound quality system. I mean, the stuff I've watched you do is primarily been focused on building an entire system that sounds great. Um, but yeah. SPL, uh, SPL competitions, DB drag races, stuff like that. That's kind of a different animal. Have you, are you in that world at all too? Uh, not, not anymore. So I, de I definitely did some stuff back in the day, but now I've, I've just, I've translated, I don't know, my interest has just changed much more to like the, the high quality sound, the sound quality, if you will. Um, to me, I just, because of my interest in fabrication, like to me, the coolest thing is like when a car has a complete audio system and you almost can't even tell that it has like a completely redone audio system. Like I just, I guess I value more of like the stealthiness in installs, nothing against the SPL. I still think that stuff's cool. And it, it's definitely equally challenging to do, you know, that level of build, but I guess my interest level has just changed. So. Yeah, that makes sense. I got another good question here from Kendra. Uh, what type of bonding agents do you use in adhering the fabrics and the vinyl to the box? Excuse me. So I, I should know also I'm fighting through the end of a cold. So I apologize if I mute really quick, just a cough. But uh, yeah, so um, the the adhesive you definitely want to use is called, it's, it's made by DAP and it's called Weldwood Lando Top and Trim Adhesive. I, I always just look up one of my upholstery videos on the channel because I'll, I'll show more and talk more about it. But it's the upholstery adhesive that I always use. Do not, do not, please do not use the spray adhesive that you get at like the hardware store. It just, 
it works okay. Like if you're just doing um, like a box with carpet with, you know, normal like trunk carpet, but when you're actually doing vinyl, you really want to use that adhesive that I mentioned because it's, it's like actually made for automotive upholstery and it will lock down and it will not release in the heat. It works really well. How did you get to the point where you, you know, did you call JL audio? Did you call audio control? Did they call you? How did that kind of work for you? Yeah. So, uh, a lot of, a lot of the, the relationships I've built have been, you know, me reaching out to them and more so because I've used their product for so long in the past that, you know, I know it's a good product that I feel comfortable recommending to everyone. So, um, you, you pretty much nailed, you know, both of my, my major, uh, manufacturer, uh, relationships, audio control and jail audio. So, and you know, those definitely are like working with their gear and, you know, there's a lot of other great gear out there for sure, but, and those, um, those are two brands I've always used in the past and I've stuck with it. So those are two brands that we carry. You can feel free to mention your other sponsors. If you just want to throw out some love, even though they're not brands that we have, <laughs> well, that's, I mean, we're a rising tide floats all boats. So who else sponsors you? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, new concepts is my, uh, my big wire and like wire distribution sponsor. And then I work a lot with, uh, mobile solutions there. Um, a, a company that specializes in training people on custom fabrication. They have like live in-person trainings that you can go to. Um, and they also have a full range of fabrication tools and uh, like materials, raw materials, things that you would need. Um, I've actually partnered. So Brian Schmidt, he's the owner of Mobile Solutions. And he also has uh, the Master Tech Expo, which is a cool uh, live event that you can go to that's, you know, for car audio fabricators and really installers. And uh, so I've, I've helped him and assisted him in coming up with many different tool designs and uh, things over the years. So that's awesome. Uh, and that you can have the the sort of the freedom and the power to really only partner with companies that you feel comfortable recommending. That's something you share with us at Crutchfield. You know, the brands that we sell, we sell quite a few, but there's also quite a few brands that we don't sell. And uh, we are very selective about the products that we show and carry and sell to our customers. If we don't feel, you know, that uh, the company behind the product and the product itself is, uh, you know, sort of shares our values and our beliefs, then we, we can avoid it. And so that's awesome. Uh, let's talk about what's going on in this picture here. This is, uh, this is just kind of a cool technique that I use to kind of frame out, um, an area in, in this case, I'm trying to come up with the shape for an amplifier rack. So you can see here in the next step. And again, this is all stuff that's covered, you know, in detail, step-by-step step on the channel. Obviously we're skipping quite a few steps in these yeah. pictures, but, I uh, came up with the shape for this, this plastic material that I like to use for amplifier racks. You can see that we have two audio control amplifiers mounted into the, the, you know, this is the area underneath the storage compartment of the Equinox, obviously by the spare tire there. Excuse me. So uh, got the two amplifiers mounted. And then also part of this build, I wanted to mount the tweeter and the mid-range into the A-pillar of the vehicle. That way I could have a full three-way uh, active component set up in the front of the car with the, the six and a half inch woofer being mounted in the door. So these are the, the rings that I came up with um, to start my fabrication process for making these custom A-pillars. Uh, here, a little bit 
you know, more fiberglass work. So right now I just have some materials stretched over those rings that you just saw. Uh, there's some wooden sticks holding this in place. And uh, again, wow. skipping a lot of steps, but yeah, fiberglass that, uh, did the body filler, sanded everything, and then rewrapped it with the exact same headliner material that's in the car. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so here it is, and it's finished location. I, so. I love this. You know, we have this conversation with our customers uh, probably a hundred times a day uh, when, because so many cars these days uh, have, you know, when I started doing this in 96, it was uncommon for a car to have, you know, a factory tweeter mounted up high, uh, you know, on the higher on the door, a pillar, the dash. And now it's fairly commonplace for a car to have that. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes, uh, which has definitely made it a little easier to replace a factory tweeter with a new one rather than what you used to have to do pretty much all the time was create a location for your new tweeter. Um, yeah. So not everybody has to go to this level of installation, but what you've done here looks amazing. Um, can you talk a little bit about installing tweeters uh just maybe the way a normal average everyday Joe might do it rather than something this intricate. Is it, is it easier today than put to put tweeters in? I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm asking. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's definitely easier. I would say because the location kind of is more readily available. I, I do actually, um, we'll, we'll go into it and let's see, I've, I've got a few more pictures to get through, but, mm -hmm. um, Excuse me. I, I do have an example of that, but uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, it's like anything. There's a lot of different techniques that you could use, and I'll show you guys what kind of what I like to do. Cool. So we'll get to that in a yeah. second. But yeah, continuing through this build here, this is the six and a half inch component. So the the mid base woofer in the door, and we of course did a bunch of sound treatment within the door as well uh, to properly get rid of all those vibrations and resonance. And then this is the JL Audio Stealth Box in the back of the Equinox that we installed. So I didn't build that. That's, you know, straight from JL Audio, which is super cool that they had uh, that option for this vehicle because that's where the OEM subwoofer goes in. So just yeah. swap that out. So this is just a cool little panel that I lasered and uh, stuck on here. You know, since it's for my dad, it's dad's daily driver built by us, Car Audio Fabrication. And then we've got all the sponsors there. You can see Crutchfield there, nice. of course, as well. We're riding around with your dad. I love it. That's right. He rocks out to this every day. So there's dad. Oh, dad, sweet. Dad loves the, yeah, dad loves the vehicle. You can see the custom component speakers in the, in the A-pillar there. And he's got the radio down there as well. So he uh, loves it. If you didn't Always do this, out. if you didn't do this for your dad, would your dad, does your dad care enough about this to have built or bought a system like this does he no really, no <laughs> no 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 he loves it but i i don't think he ever you know would have done it himself so yeah my dad's the same way but, uh, i can't get him to care enough like when i ride in his car it's not the same <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's I, always rough riding riding in an, a vehicle that doesn't have a proper system <laughs> i have a question can you back up one picture to the stealth box yeah so uh, when I was at JL Audio's headquarters, and this has been like 15, 16 years ago now, uh, but I think they're thinking of this as the same. When I was there, they had a Ford Mustang. They had that thing fully torn apart, and they were looking for the perfect place to build a stealth box. 
and they shared with me what something that makes perfect sense once you hear it, but you might not think of it, uh, their philosophy in building a stealth box. One, it's got to sort of fit and look good in the car. They got to find a place where it makes sense under a seat in the corner of a trunk, something like this. Uh, and then, of course, they've got to make it work with one of their subs or the internal airspace, all that, all of that part easily done, right? And then sometimes they will find that they can put this box here and it looks great, but it doesn't actually sound great with the acoustics of the car. So then they have to yeah. find another place and see. And there have and they told me there's been cars that they just don't do a stealth box for, not because they can't, but because they there's nothing they can do in that car that fits sort of all of those criteria. And mm -hmm. so my specific question for you is when you're making a custom box like that Jeep box that you showed us a, a little bit ago, how do you know it's going to sound good? Or have you encountered a case where you built a custom box like that and you're like, oh, great. It looks awesome. Fits great. Doesn't sound good. Yeah. So uh, definitely what I like to do. And again, I, I have a full, <laughs> a full video about this on the channel. You can check out to see the process. I think it's titled something along the lines of like, testing out a subwoofer location, something something like that. But I like to take a, uh, I specifically have a little test box that I'll use and I'll just put it in the location and, you know, I'll measure with a microphone and I'll put it in different orientations. I'll even, it's a down firing box, so I can even put it down firing if I'd like to, uh, to check that out. But yeah, put it in different locations in the car, base it in different directions. And I can generally get a pretty good feel for the acoustics of the vehicle before I spend all the time, you know, actually custom making an enclosure. So that's kind of in a nutshell, the process. But like I said, that, that video goes more into detail. Awesome. I figured uh, somewhere in the, what is it? 400 or so videos that you might have the answer to that question. Uh, and I think you're going to find uh, viewers at home, that uh, that's going to be a common theme that uh, Mark has probably answered most of these questions in a video of some sort. So the fact that he's willing to uh, share with us and point us in the right directions is great. We're also trying along the way. We've got Abby in the background posting links in the chat here to any videos that we know are applicable to what we're talking about. So uh, so thank you for doing that, Abby. Um, we have another question that has just come in. Uh, Raven says, hi, Mark. Always great work. Do you have preferences? <laughs> or do you have a preference between ear tuned versus RTA tuned systems? And what is your go to tuning tool? Yeah. So, uh, when people ask this, I always kind of equate it to like the performance vehicle industry. So, like, if you were to, let's say you're building a car to, you know, go down the track, right? The quarter mile track. If you're going to have somebody tune that car, are you going to have them just randomly adjusting parameters until it kind of seems like it's going fast or are you going to trust the guy more that you know has the computer hooked up to the ecu and is fine-tuning everything and then you know you're actually measuring your your time down the track and uh the point being i'm going to trust the guy more that's using the tools that are refined for doing that particular thing so to answer the question i i prefer the rta tune um as part of the process, you, of course, want to listen to it by ear, but that should be after it's RTA tuned. So you go through the full RTA tuning process, and then once you're done, you're kind of adding the, as Steve Teresi likes to say, I can quote him, but like the salt and pepper 
to the final tune, you might be doing some small adjustments, you know, to make sure that it actually sounds good to your ear. But the RTA tune, if you're doing it properly, should get you 90, 95% of the way there. And as far as uh, go-to tuning tool, I like to use the Audio Control DMRTA, which is a great tool because it allows you to do acoustic measurements along with electrical measurements. So if you are integrating with a factory car audio system, you can measure the actual electrical response of a speaker and make sure that you know, it has all the proper frequencies that you're hoping to have there. And uh, just gives you a lot of flexibility. And I also really like the uh, Jail Audio Max tuning system. So, and again, conveniently, both of those are on the channel. So, what a coincidence. Yeah, if, if you want to see more detail, yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, there are other tools like that available out there in the world. Mark is going to stick with the companies that is working with him, that he supports them, they support him. Uh, there's others, and uh, we can talk about them another time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, no no doubt that the yeah, jail audio and the audio control yeah. are excellent. Yeah, and for an for entry level, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you guys have an option, too. There's microphones that you can connect, you know, directly to your to your phone, and you could get, in, like, an RTA app, at least to have a rough idea of, you know, the performance of the system, so. Awesome. Uh, I love this question uh, from Rex. Are there any vehicles you've done an install in that have proven to be notably more difficult than any others? Are there cars in general you're like, oh, no, I don't want to work on that <laughs> car because that's not going to be easy at all? Not, not that you're always yeah. looking for the easy way, but there's cars that are by far harder to deal with than others. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit more about me. So I don't do like a ton of installs. I kind of only do installs for myself and my, my friends. Like I'm kind of like the the DIYer that kind of shows everything. So I'm probably not the best person to ask this question because, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of exposure to a ton of different vehicles. I would say every vehicle has its own, you know, independent challenges. Uh, one of the hardest things to me about some of the, the newer vehicles is like, it's pretty much impossible now to run aftermarket wiring, like through, through um, you know, the, the door wiring harness into a door. So a lot of times you have to just make do with the factory wiring. But with, with that said, a lot of times factory speaker wiring is more than capable of like handling the amount of power that you'd really need to send to a speaker. It's more so when you're trying to add like an additional active component speaker in a door, being able to have that, you know, separate run of, of wiring. Meaning always a challenge. Meaning it's probably okay to just use the factory speaker wire, even if you're installing a big 50, 75, 75, maybe 100 watts of power, knowing you're going to send it over. Sure, you would like bigger, thicker speaker wire, but the factory will do okay. Yep. But if you want to put two speakers in your door when there was only one, you're going to need more speaker wire. You can't do that. So running the wire through the door, I have watched your video on this. And it is, uh, if you want to know how to run wires from the inside of your car to the inside of your door, Mark does a fantastic job. Abby, if you can find that video and post that in the chat, that is a must watch video. I have shown it to every training class over the last 12 months or ever, if it's, I don't know how old it is, but the at least three training classes of new advisors uh, either have seen or will see that video this year. Yeah. Yeah, and if, if anything, then you at least see what the what the challenge is, and you can decide if if you think it's really worth it anymore to to yeah. upgrade that wiring because it, it's it's definitely not easy. So 
No. Cool. Uh, Should we keep going through through pictures? Yeah, I was going to say let's see. Let's see your next go. I don't. uh, We could probably do this for hours. I don't know if we'll get through all of your pictures, but I'd love seeing the evolution. Uh, What's going on here? All right. So this is a this is a build in a Jetta. Yeah, this is the Jetta build. So again, I've got all my gear picked out from from you guys. So got the head unit there from Sony that we ended up doing on this build. And of course the steering wheel adapter so that we can retain those steering wheel controls and the different integration pieces and wiring harnesses. And on this build, um, I wanted to add, so I was using audio control amplifiers mm. and I wanted to add their ACR three, which is their um, like remote level controller that, uh, oh, it's right here. Uh, the remote level controller that attaches to their amplifiers so you can control, you know, volume level or subwoofer, subwoofer level, depending on what you choose in the DSP software for those amps. But um, th- this is that same wire or the, you know, the same component here. I've just separated it from that audio control bracket. And I actually made this on the channel. This is just like a cool little assembly uh, that is made out of acrylic. I made it on a laser. And it screws in from the backside there, and it just gives me, you know, more of a finished panel. These, this piece here is what used to be in two different spots here. So, just a kind of a more of a, a finished look rather than like drilling a hole in a dash piece or something like that. Yeah, that looks uh, great. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, I was just say that looks great. I mean, it looks like it belongs there. Uh, I mean, super tight. Like I like that. Thank you. This is the speakers that we went through on, um, or we installed on this. This is the JL Audio C3 uh, speaker, which uh, if you're familiar with that speaker, it's pretty cool because it's what's called like a convertible speaker. It's one of the few on the market that does this. You can actually detach the tweeter. It's a, it's a component tweeter and a component woofer. You can detach this tweeter and mount it somewhere else in the vehicle if you want, or you can mount it, you know, they include this piece where it's kind of more like a, a coaxial speaker mounting, if you will, even though each speaker is connected separately. You can see there's actually two different uh, pairs of wiring going in there, so four conductors. But uh, what I really like about this speaker is I feel like it's a cool speaker if you if you want to... I always tell people that you should look at car audio as an investment because when you get rid of a vehicle, there's no reason that you can't take all the audio system out of it and put it into your next vehicle. So, um, in fact, a a lot of times on the channel, I'll mention that when we're doing an install that, you know, there's ways that you can install things so that it's very easy to return the vehicle back to factory when you go to take out your aftermarket system. So I always kind of like to keep that in the back of my head. But the point being, uh, this speaker is cool because it has that flexibility of being able to mount the, the tweeter separately. If you were to take this system out of this vehicle and go into a different vehicle that maybe had a tweeter spot that's easy to install into, uh, you know, now you can just switch to that orientation. It's not your, like you're locked into this this coaxial configuration. You know, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it as an investment and you're not buying very inexpensive entry-level, you know, base-level sort of uh, speakers. If you're buying something like this, it's kind of like buying home speakers, right? You don't leave them in the house when you move to a new house. You take them with you. And uh, there's no reason why you wouldn't want to take a really nice speaker like the C3 with you to your next car. If you're if you're using a six and a half, six and three quarter, that's a common size. Chances are you're going to make it work in your next car too. And yeah, being able to do, you do what you want to do with that tweeter makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, here's some of the wiring here. You know, I like to always try to follow along some of the OEM harnesses and keep everything nice and secured there with the, got the crossover for this speaker mounted over here. And then uh, for this build, we also did a custom enclosure. This is a sealed enclosure. Uh, you can see it's got just some really simple design elements added to the front here, but just add, you know, make it a little bit more unique. On the channel, we're always talking about all sorts of different fabrication techniques. So, you know, I'll, I use the woodworking router quite often. So this roundover that you see around the outside of this flush mount hole, uh, that's made with a roundover bit on the router. And then to add those lines, I literally just used a table saw uh, before this piece was assembled to the box. I just, you know, carefully measured my offset on my fence and ran it through the table saw at a really shallow depth a couple of times. And I think, uh, yeah, so you can kind of see, it's hard to see in the picture, but in person, you can definitely see the lines a little bit more. It just gives it kind of a, an interesting design element to yeah. it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. You're, you're st you you always got some sort of flair going on uh, mm -hmm. and something to set the boxes apart from just sort of a run-of-the-mill box. I have a question. Uh, Kendra says, do you do a lot of laser cutting for your small panel pieces? Like, are you, uh, is that, has that become a, a mm -hmm. common thing that you're doing? Yeah, I, I do now that I have a laser. Yeah. <laughs> um, before, before, you know, obviously not so much. And it, it's kind of like I said earlier. There's always a million different ways to to make something. That the nice advantageous thing about a laser is you can cut, like let's say an acrylic piece, you could cut it incredibly skinny and make like a really small fine detail that you would never be able to do with like a jigsaw or a normal, you know, woodworking type tool. So yeah, the precision, small stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, the other thing I like to use quite often is the, the 3d printer. So what's, you know, it's cool. Like anything technology, you know, is always coming down in price. So laser machines are much more affordable now. 3d printers especially are much, much more affordable now, you know, to get a printer that can make a relatively good part. So try to use whatever different tool I can, you know, to, to put it to work and, uh, there's lots of different automation that we like to work with. That's so, great. Is this the, this is the, the amp rack for the Jetta? Yep, yep. So this is the amplifier rack. So the audio control D-4.800, that's a DSP integrated amplifier, which was kind of like I was mentioning earlier, which allows you to connect that ACR3. Um, and, you know, I could switch between tunes from the front seat and I could set it up. In this case, I set it up so that the, the controller was purely just for the control of this amplifier, which is the monoblock amplifier for the subwoofers. So, and I don't, I don't think I mentioned these are two uh, JL Audio 13 W3s. So, even in a sealed enclosure, this thing was crazy loud. It sounded super good, and it was definitely, definitely a fun build. I'll bet. So, yeah, got the got the wiring there. Everything's secured in place with some zip ties, and uh, this. This piece of plastic is ABS. It's a like quarter inch thick sheet of ABS. Um, it's mounted to the subwoofer enclosure, but it's mm. mounted with uh, like these rubber isolators so that it will not really transfer any of the vibration from the subwoofer enclosure. And you can see I always add bracing and other things inside the enclosure to make sure it's good and strong anyway. So 
you could put your hand on this box and you couldn't even feel any vibrations. So there's really no concern there with that mounting. That's a, custom, a question we get a lot is, can I just mount my amp to my sub box? Uh, can you talk more about that from the, maybe the more basic sort of, can I just bolt the amp to the box and everything's going to be okay? Or are there problems that will arise as a result of that? I mean, it's, it's like anything. I, I feel like that's a hard question to an answer with like a definitive yes or no because yeah. if the box if the box is just like off the shelf it, it might not be built with that idea of like oh somebody's going to mount an amplifier to this so the sides might be a little bit more prone to vibration um whereas in my case i knew i wanted to mount my amplifier rack to it so i made sure i added the extra bracing and i made sure i added those isolators it's it's kind of just like an engineering question, if, if you will. So how do you guys usually answer that when people ask? So uh, we start with our stock answer to most questions, which is it depends. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then we talk about it with our customers. And, you know, if, if, if you're using uh, sort of an entry level, very inexpensive amplifier uh, compared to something, you know, high end, really well built, build quality, next level stuff, uh, there's a different answer there, right? Uh, a, a lower quality amplifier, uh, there's a better chance that those solder joints and things inside the amplifier could work themselves loose if they're uh, if they're having to deal with those vibrations from a pounding subwoofer on a daily basis, right? So it might shorten the life of an amplifier or cause you problems. Uh, if the build quality on the amp is really well, is you know, high end, probably not going to have really any problems. Uh, and if you want to attach it to the box, obviously there's multiple ways to do that. You don't necessarily just want to go screwing it in with your wood screws directly through. You want to try to make sure the box can handle it and all of that. So yeah, we try to have those yeah. conversations, basically what you said. Uh, it depends and, but it can be a very good place to put a sub or an amplifier. Uh, if all the, uh, if all the, sort of those boxes are ticked. Again, if people watch on the channel, you'll see that some, a theme that I always follow is you want things to be serviceable. Um, you know, easy to, to work on if you need to. You don't want to have to be do undoing 300 screws to, to get back to your fuses. So, and that all comes along with, with planning and, um, you know, thinking through a, a build before you do it. And uh, we were talking about the tweeter locations here. So this vehicle had a tweeter in the sail panel and I wanted to add a, a tweeter there. But unfortunately, uh, the tweeter that I was going to be using is larger than this whole size. So I ended up 3D printing some rings. Wow! And I bot body worked them in there, and then uh, to get an idea of the finished look, that's what it ended up looking like there. Yeah, that and, that's and then, that's some next level tweeter stuff. If you if you're not ready to do that kind of stuff, you should probably go with a tweeter that's uh, about the same size or maybe a little smaller than the hole that's there. Yeah, it can be really tough to make yeah. that look good if you've got to make the hole bigger. Uh, yeah, it lo it looks easy when we go through like you know these three pictures, but <laughs> there's there's quite a bit of work between those three pictures. Yeah. So especially with you know getting it all sanded and looking nice. So, um, and then I did want to talk about. So this is a more recent build on the channel. So again, uh, started with upgrading the head unit. This is the F one fifty build. So we upgraded the head unit there again with all the integration parts and everything from you guys to retain our steering wheel controls. And, and this does have the uh, 
the Maestro interface. So it talks to like the CAN bus signal of the vehicle and it will pull up all the different vehicle parameters. And I can change, um, you know, like the lock options and the lighting options throughout the vehicle. You could probably, probably retain the factory backup camera using the Maestro with that vehicle, with a radio that's compatible, the Maestro. Yeah, that thing is powerful. Using the, yeah, absolutely. Uh, those Idatalink Maestros, especially with the Ford trucks, Chevy trucks, these newer vehicles where there's so many things integrated in, the, they make a lot of stuff possible. Without that, it just wouldn't be doable. Yeah, for sure. Oof. So uh, this is all the gear that was going into that build. So we've got four 10s, uh, JL Audio TW1s. You got the RD 1500-1. That's going to power those four 10s. Uh, we have two two-channel amplifiers. And on this build, a lot of people asked, why not just do a four-channel amplifier? And uh, when I was doing this build, that was during that time that there was a lot of product availability issues. Uh. So uh, no, no real specific reason other than I wasn't able to get my hands on the four-channel amplifier at that time. And there's no reason I couldn't make do with the two two-channel amplifiers. And then uh, I really like that C3 component setup. So uh, front doors have the C3 with the, the woofer in the door, the tweeter up in the A pillar, and then the back doors have, uh, you know, just mounted in, in the normal location in this coaxial style configuration, even though it's still a component speaker. And then uh, the full system uh, has an audio control DM810, which is the DSP. So the signal comes from the head unit into the DM810 and the DSP allows me to, you know, fully tune every aspect of the system before that signal is sent out to the amplifiers. So this, I needed a convenient way to, you know, package all this together as far as the amplifiers and the DSP goes. So this is my amplifier rack that I built for in the back of the vehicle. Again, we've got all the uh, the new concepts wiring all in there. So all the power wire and then all the signal wires between the DSP and the amp. Uh, I added an additional fuse block here just to give myself some accessory wiring. So if I want to do mm -hmm. lighting or cooling or anything like that, now I have a nice uh, way to connect, you know, add those additional accessories that's right there available in the back of the vehicle because this got mounted to the back uh, inside wall, like behind the back seat of the truck. Were you at all concerned about uh, the amps <laughs> having enough room to breathe, to ventilate, to dissipate heat, or are these amps not, you're not too worried about that with these amps? I, I, you always want to take that into account. I mean, these are definitely pretty tight to each other here, but um, I, I know that these amplifiers, you know, they'll they'll be able to handle it but more so i wanted to make sure i had enough room obviously on the front side here and uh the back of the seat is actually pretty much it starts like in this location here and then it angles more you know towards this white beam that's going across so it looks tight but there is you know a good amount of breathability in there for I, those amplifiers I, I, so i asked that thing yeah Thinking about a, a, pre a previous truck I had where I had a five-channel amp installed behind the seat of a crew cab truck, but it was right up against the seat, and this was not a Class D or a very efficient amp. That thing got hot. I ended up with a like a like a little mark on the back of my seat, seat back <laughs> just from the heat yeah. of the amplifier. It was a good enough amp that it didn't have a problem, but yeah, clearly you want to dissipate heat. So something to think about. Good call. Yeah. Yep, always take that into account in your mounting location for sure. So this was uh, that the front door, that woofer, the C3 woofer installed, this time using um, more, you know, just an off-the-shelf speaker adapter, but then also doing some sound treatments around the outside. I didn't do a full sound treatment on this, just to 
you know, show a different option on the channel, something that's more entry level, quote unquote, if you will, um, where I focused purely on the location around the speaker and then added the, uh, the, the waveguide ring in order to guide the sound through the grill on the door panel. So um, little things like this too, we always talk about on the channel. So like making mounting brackets uh, for, in this case, this is for my fuse next to the battery. You know, you don't want to just leave the fuse block dangling in there. And I always try to avoid uh, drilling new holes if I can. So this mounts to a location here that, you know, just has a couple of bolts. And then these screws mount in the top here. And everything's made out of this ABS plastic. So it's able to handle, you know, the high temperatures of the, the engine compartment. And it, these are drilled and tapped holes. So I don't have to worry about excessive hardware or anything it's just those screws on the top side holding that in man the fit and finish on your installations uh puts my stuff to shame i am not like i'd be ashamed to open the truck uh the the hood of my f-150 and show you how my fuse holder is zip tied <laughs> zip tied to an existing wire <laughs> yeah uh, it's, i mean it's, it's not quite it's not quite right, flopping but, yeah. around but it's not that that this is tight <laughs> thank you <laughs> So this is the uh, the enclosure that is going to be um, going underneath the back seat of the truck because remember we needed to mount up those four tens. Uh, so this is kind of a, a cool uh, thing, you know, from Mobile Solutions, the fa fabrication company that I mentioned earlier. They have these quick corner pieces. Uh, you can buy the pieces already made, or you can use uh, these templates to make them. And what you'll see in a just keep an idea what these kind of look like, and you can see. Yeah how those are used in the corner. So basically it allows you to have a piece coming from each side like that, but you can retain that curved corner that matches like the front quarters of a, uh, a truck seat. So, and then there's the subwoofer um, obviously. And so the top of the enclosure isn't on yet, but there's going to be four of these down firing, down firing style configurations. So this is the front there. Again, you can see all the different beauty panel work that I do. Um, so this is all done, you know, on the on the router table. So we use a series of different templates and techniques to go through and make that. And you can see all that step by step on the channel. Uh, this was made on the laser, the sponsor panel here. So there's there's Crutchfield right there. Uh, I did a couple of layers of acrylic. This actually has like a brushed aluminum look, which is pretty cool. And uh, looks looks nice, fits well within the vehicle, added some different design elements there. And there we it's go. hard to kind of see, but I, oh, I also added some design elements on the side of the enclosure there that match like the 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 door sill of the of the vehicle. But yeah, here it is after after being wrapped in that nice black vinyl. Turned out pretty cool. Top of the enclosure with with you know typical enclosure carpet. Yep, and that's all designed to fit under the seat of this F one hundred and fifty under the back seat. Ah, look at that. Yep. Yep. So, and again, four tens underneath this seat in this small of an air volume, because, you know, those subwoofers from JL, they're designed to work with that small of an air volume. This thing sounds awesome. It's so loud. Like you would be blown away. And to me, what's super cool about this is it's, it's not like I had to fold up my seats or take the seats out to get that big base. Everything is still functional. People can obviously sit back here just fine. I just yell at them if they're uh, yeah. reckless with their feet and they kick my nice enclosure. But <laughs> but yeah, it, it turned 
turned out pretty good. This is awesome, Mark. I think I could talk to you about this stuff all day. I hope that maybe we, yeah. maybe you'd be agreeable to maybe doing this again someday. We didn't even get a chance to circle back around to the the home theater you built with the help of Paul, one of our advisors. Uh, and there it is. Love it. Boom. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we could probably talk for another hour about that. We do not have time to do that today. Uh, and uh, another thing, I would love to invite you to come to Crutchfield at some point, and uh, I would be, I would love to give you a tour of our distribution center, our call center, our training, our video studios. Uh, that would be fantastic. I'd love to come out sometime and do uh, a factory tour. We just did the jail audio one, and it was awesome. So. Would be great to come out to Crutchfield and see you guys in person too. Yeah, that's what made me think of it, and I would love to do that. So uh, let's stay in touch, Mark. Uh, I can't uh, endorse your channel enough. I highly recommend Crutchfield customers that are thinking about building boxes, doing installs, uh, in addition to the wonderful resources we try to provide you on our website. And of course, when you talk to us live on the phones, uh, check out Mark's channel. You will learn a lot uh, and watch some of that stuff before you start building your own box. You will build a better box because of it. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you again, Mark. CarAudioFabrication.com, uh, CarAudioFab on Instagram, YouTube.com slash CarAudioFabrication. Thanks for coming on. I'm sorry you're not feeling well. I hope you, uh, hope you feel better soon. Yeah, thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Crutchfield, the podcast. I hope you got a lot out of that. Please subscribe to Mark's channel, uh, Car Audio Fabrication, on YouTube. It's fantastic. And, of course, if you're looking for him to design you a sub-enclosure or some other stuff, go to caraudiofabrication.com. We are proud to be one of his sponsors uh, for his YouTube channel because he does such great stuff. We've got some more cool uh, Crutchfield the Podcast episodes coming at you in the upcoming weeks. I'm really excited for our next show later here in just a few weeks in October. Uh, one of our guys, uh, Jeff, uh, he... Uh, He's a, he works in our creative department. He's all about headphones. He writes our, 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 our product pages for the website. He writes about headphones. And uh, he got a chance to interview Manny Mariquin, uh, who is a pretty famous uh, music engineer and mixer and master guy. If you're unfamiliar with his work, uh, you're actually wrong. You're not unfamiliar with his work. You've heard his songs. He has mixed and mastered songs from many humongous artists, including Santana, The Rolling Stones, uh, Kendrick Lamar's new album, and uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,198 other songs. Uh, and I guarantee you, uh, you have heard music mixed by Manny Mariquin. And Jeff got to interview him, and we got to interview Jeff about interviewing Manny. And you'll hear all of that on the next episode of Crutchfield, the podcast, coming at you in a few weeks. I look forward to you hearing that. Thank you for listening. I'm JR, over and out. Thank you.